Do you feel that you always have to think and feel in unison with your partner? If you do, that could be a sign that you are enmeshed in your relationship. Today we're talking about enmeshment and how it can be a problem in your relationships. If you'd like to find out how you can improve your relationships, head over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of information about building better relationships. And you can also take our free online conflict style quiz to discover your argument and conflict style in relationships. And press subscribe right now. Welcome to the Relationship Maze podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about enmeshed relationships. So what are they and how can they be problematic? Yeah, so when we talk about enmeshment, we usually talk about a couple that is really struggling to have some sense of self-boundaries, where both partners feel that they are kind of almost, they're the same as the other person. They over-identify with the other person. They have a sense of having a symbiotic relationship with the other person. Now, to some extent, of course, this happens uh, very often in the early stages of relationships. There is often a sense of enmeshment, which is overemphasized because, you know, um, one partner might say, oh, I really love that film from the 50s. The other one says, that I love that too, I love that too. So you, you kind of continuously look for something that binds you to your partner, that you have in common, that you share with each other. But um, on a psychological level, if this, if this kind of exchange continues, if you can never quite separate out from your partner, if you're never quite sure where you end and your partner starts and vice versa, that's when we're talking about enmeshment. It's like a, a kind of a symbio a symbiosis, so to speak, between two partners. Yeah, and I think it's really important as well is that, you know, we're not talking about closeness in relationships. And because, of course, you're having a close and intimate relationship is a wonderful thing. But this is when things became, become maybe unhealthy, whether it's that over need to identify and to feel and, as we talked about, feel and think the same things as your partner. Um, as you were mentioning the example of a uh, like, well, you know, I really love that film from the fifties. I was thinking, like, which relationships <laughs> no way. are those in the fifties? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's this sort of it's uh, it it starts off as a wonderful thing. I think it's experienced uh, by lots of couples as a wonderful thing. Uh, this sense of wow, we are we 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 two are one. Yeah, or. I found my soulmate. I found someone who thinks and feels exactly like me. That can be initially a, a great thing. And of course, that's also uh, romanticized in movies, in, uh, in literature, this idea of uh, being one, fusing together, so to speak. Because what we're talking about with enmeshment is a sense of emotional fusion where emotions spill over into each other. I feel something and my partner starts to feel it as well. Or my partner feels something and I feel it intensely as well. Now, of course, if there's closeness, as you said, Tom, you know, if there's closeness in a relationship, to some extent that happens. Uh, to some extent, you know, it's nice to know that we share some feelings or that my feelings are picked up by my partner. That is a form of empathy, isn't it? But uh, but when it gets to this stage of where there is no separation anymore, when there's no sense of self involved anymore, that's when 
uh, enmeshment becomes really, really problematic um, because then it creates um, very strong um, dependency needs, which are not healthy anymore. Um, it creates this sense of I can't quite function on my own anymore. Um, I need my partner. Um, I can't make decisions, for example, on my own anymore. Um, I really struggle to kind of stray away from my partner. I struggle to be away from my partner. That's when it can become quite, um, well, quite suffocating. And of course, there are reasons for that that we're going to look at uh, in a minute as well, where this is coming from. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, when we have rapport with somebody, like a group of friends, if your friend's talking about something they're excited about or are kind of happy about, you probably will feel happy and excited. And that's, that's, not, that's not necessarily enmeshment in this context. That's mm. because when we, you know, emotions are contagious. Mm -hmm. When you like sure. somebody, when you feel that you like somebody, we tend to start feeling similar emotions and that's fine. It's a little bit different, this. I think it's where, as well, when you lose being in touch with your own feelings because you're fo fo so focused on concentrating on the other person's needs or their feelings and you lose track and lose sight of actually what's going on within you. What would you think about that? Well, absolutely. It's this kind of sense of not being able to separate out anymore. You know, who is it me? Is it you? Is it not, be, is not being able to have some sense of being um, uh, another person, being different, a different person than your partner. So there's a lot of um, interesting material for those of you who are interested in childhood development theory. If you want to look at Margaret Mahler, she talked about in her work about um, the process of separation and individuation, which children, infants and children go through. And for those of you who have teenagers, you know what it's like when your teenager kicks off and, you know, tries to sort of battles with you, does battle with you, because they want to be separate from you as a parent. They want to be their own person. So this is all part of this individuation process where you develop a bit more of a sense of self, a self-identity, so to speak. In an enmeshed couple, very often... Um, one or both partners hasn't developed that kind of very strong sense of self yet. There's a very weak self construct, so to speak, where the dependency needs are very high. There's no sense of, um, you know, this is me. This is where my limits are. This is where I stop. This is where um, the other person, you know, this is where I want to say no, for example. Um, very often with somebody who's very enmeshed, they struggle to put these boundaries down and say, no, I don't want this, I don't like this, because they don't actually know what they like or what they want or who they are. So it gets, it gets kind of um, wrapped up in the, in the other person's, in the partner's psychology. And um, if one person, one partner is enmeshed, that's problematic. But of course, it's even doubly more problematic when both partners are very enmeshed and actually uh, don't even recognize this. Diff the, you know, the, the, they have no awareness that they are so wrapped up in each other and so um, have such a weak ego structure. And, and also when, when you're saying this, what's coming to my mind as well is that they're, they're not just wrapped up in their partner, they're wrapped up in their own idea represent representation of what they think mm. is going on for their partner mm -hmm. so it's these projections from their past mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so sometimes you know for example with a parent and sometimes a partner there becomes that overwhelming feeling that you have to be responsible for them mm -hmm. that you might have to save them you might have to serve them however they're treating you or whatever might be going on 
where that may be even more in your perception than for the other person, but you feel that enmeshment, which a lot of this comes back to your own experience in your childhood, where mm. you feel you have that need. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's not just in terms of... So with that enmeshment, it's not really that you are feeling their emotions or thoughts, but you have that sense that you are, but that's also based on your own experience from when you are Absolutely, younger. yeah. So, it, I mean, there's usually... With somebody who's very enmeshed, they usually have, uh, they might have what some people might call an enmeshment trauma. So there are family structures that they grew up in where um, there was a real uh, sense often with a person who's enmeshed that they they did, they weren't separated at an early stage from their parents. They weren't emotionally separated from their parents. So they were very often the dynamic that you have is a child who is asked to look after the parents. So there's a depressed parent, there's a, a, a very anxious parent. The child gets drawn into the family dynamics of uh, the couple di di dynamics between the parents very often and is brought in as someone who has to look after the parents, after the distressed, distressed parent. Very often, if we think about trauma, uh, if we describe this as an enmeshment trauma, the um, the response of the child is what uh, we call a fawn response. If you think about fight, flight, freeze responses, in trauma we often talk about a fawn response. And fawn, sorry, I'm not pronouncing it very well probably, but it's the, the response where you basically try to plead. Um, you plead your way out of the situation. You try to please, you try to placate, you try to satisfy. Children who have an enmeshment trauma very often do this with their parents. So they try to please the parent. They try to be the good child, the pleasing others child. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's actually useful to maybe talk about some of the signs that you could be enmeshed in a relationship. And I think one of these um, is maybe that you give up your hobbies or interests because of, uh, in terms of adapting to the expectations or what you feel or think are the expectations of the other person. So you're kind of losing those things that really give you pleasure mm. because you feel that you need to as being part of that relationship. Or you might have a hypersensitivity very often as well if you're enmeshed. You might be very hypersensitive to any any indication that your partner doesn't approve of something that you do. So you might have had a hobby, for example, um, and you see a frown on your partner's face uh, or you they make a slight comment about it, a dismissive comment. So you would be more likely if you come from that kind of, if you have that kind of enmeshment trauma, to then interpret this as something that is uh, a, a threat to the relationship. Therefore, it has to be stopped. So at all costs. So you're more likely to be inclined than to give it up. Yes, and, and sometimes it's not just an interpretation. It might be that the other person genuinely doesn't like it. Yeah. But still, that's okay. You don't have to like the same things. I think that's the thing, is, is knowing that you don't have to do everything the same as your partner. You don't have to like everything the same. Mm. I mean, sure, of course, in a relationship, you want to have some of the deeper values that are somehow aligned or similar, even if they're not exactly the same, because mm. nothing's really exactly the same anyway. But then, you know, but in terms of interests and hobbies, it's knowing that you can do these things. And I think there's that sense as well where your partner may be enmeshed if they're mm. trying to kind of force you into doing what they do as well to some mm. extent. And yeah, yeah, that can yeah. be controlling in, in a different way of experiencing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. I think when you have a couple where both partners are enmeshed, 
both partners keep each other in check. It's a higher level of what uh, some people might call codependency. So there is no separating out. There's a fear here. If I veer off the path of doing things jointly, then that's a problem. So it's the sense of we have to do everything together. We have to have the same interests. We have to do everything together. We have to meet people together. We have to have the same interests. Uh, sorry, I've said that three times already. So it's this sort of idea of, you know, everything has got to be done jointly as a couple. You're joined at the hip, so to speak. So it's it almost becomes impossible in when both partners are highly enmeshed. And again, it's a question of degree. Yeah, there are some less enmeshed and some highly enmeshed uh, couples. Then it becomes this like they, they always turn up everywhere as as a couple. You don't see them separately. Yeah. So in your relationship, you have certain, you know, certain intimate needs that are met. You'll have certain emotional needs and other kinds of needs as well but it's also knowing that you know there's some things that you you also get with other relationships with friends mm. like you may enjoy doing certain things with friends friends that your partner doesn't and that's fine we we build that sort of you know we build different networks where we can experience different things in those different different kind of areas of our lives so mm. we have different types of connections absolutely and yeah. it's not that one is one has to be matching everything because that's not going to happen mm. No. So also there is, um, I think, uh, enmeshed couples are marked or can be, you know, a sign that there might be high levels of enmeshment. If there are high levels of stress and anxiety in your system, it's this constant anxiety about veering away from each other, steering into a direction that uh, might threaten the relationship in some ways. And that might also include a very high level of conflict avoidance because conflict, um, with conflict, of course, you are you are asserting that you're different yeah, from the other. You're asserting your separate way of thinking. You're asserting that you don't agree or concur with something that your partner says or does. So we, in enmeshed uh, couples, they would overemphasize harmony over everything um, that be a real sense of we must always have a harmonious relationship. We must always be in tune. We must always march in along the same steps here. If we don't, um, that's a threat. So conflict is seen as a threat. So ask yourself. I I often think you know if you're in a relationship where you you never argue with your partner, you never have any disagreements with your partner. How do you view that? Do you see that as a positive? Do you think, well, that's great. We must have a brilliant relationship because we never argue. We have so much harmony. But ask yourself, is there something here that doesn't get voiced, that doesn't get addressed? Are there um, frustrations that you might withhold from each other because you are so much at pains to never get into any conflict with your partner because it's too threatening to you and to your couple system? Yeah, and, and building on that as well, or just adding to that, um, you know, it's being aware of, are you suppressing your feelings as part of that? So do you notice that sometimes you bottle stuff up? Mm. Because you you know that if you bring it up, or you, you imagine, you project that if you do raise those with your partner, that it could cause that conflict. And, you know, the last thing you'd ever want in, in, in life is to cause that sort of rupture in this uh, this perfect unity that you have in your mind which mm. which is really just you know by by not expressing these things by not allowing yourself to discuss these things it actually in a way holds you back from having uh, 
a, a deep connection in some ways too. Mm. Yeah, it ties into the fawn response again as a trauma response, as a as a response to anything which is perceived as a threat. So conflict is threatening potentially. What you try to do at all costs is to placate, to please your partner. I really recognize that. I mean, I'm sort of now talking about this. I really recognize this in myself, my, my younger self, that I used to do this quite a lot. Um, I used to always have to look after my parents in their distress. I was very much the go-to uh, child uh, when there was stress in the system. My parents used to argue a lot. I felt very responsible for them. I also regarded conflict um, in a relationship as being really terrifying and um, and very, very threatening. So I avoided it at all costs. And I had a real desire to always create this harmony in all of my relationships um, so I probably had a tendency towards high levels of enmeshment, if I think back now. I don't know whether you recognize parts, elements of that in your history. Yeah, I think absolutely. There's that sense, well, maybe with more the please others. Right. So in terms yeah. of parents arguing and then maybe trying to make one of the parents happy and then, then you have to please them. So it's that constant, I think the please others driver is very much connected with that. Mm. But I think then there's the other extreme as well, which is... You know, in terms of where somebody feels they have no responsibility about how the partner feels, which is the other end, which sure. is like totally cut off, which also isn't healthy. Of where it's sort of, you know, if obviously if your partner's really upset about something, to feel nothing and think, well, that's just your own stuff, well, is, yeah. is 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 kind of like not healthy either. No, so we're not. So, that's yeah, not so what we're, we're saying talking, here. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important to put some of these clarifications in terms of. You have a distinctions of enmeshment and what we mean in terms of, you know, still, of course, we want to look after our partner to, to a certain extent. We want to make sure they're happy. We want to help them feel safe. But it's where you're totally putting your own needs at bay for that, where mm. you're basically losing sight of yourself as a result mm. of that. Mm. But it's that balance. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you have a healthy sense of se a healthy self, that doesn't mean that you lose yourself in your partner. And I think when you're enmeshed, you, you do lose yourself. There is, no <clears throat> there is no sense of self here. There's no sense of who am I in this relationship. What's me? What's my partner? So, yeah, of course, we're talking about um, sort of extremes here. Enmeshment is one extreme. The other extreme is when you have a relationship uh, where there, there's an overemphasis on um, levels of independence and any kind of denial of any dependency needs with each other. So, you know, what you might get in a relationship where both partners are highly dismissive in terms of their attachment styles. So if you have that on one end of the spectrum, within meshment, I think you often have uh, two partners who are highly anxious, preoccupied in the relationship. So there's a fear of, a very strong fear of loss. I think it has, does tie into loss, the fear of... If I don't, if I don't do everything for my partner, if my partner is not everything in my life, then they might walk away. So it's a, it's a desire to tie the other person in, to tie your partner in, into, into being there for you, looking after you, giving you attention, giving you care and love. But it's a very clumsy way of going about it, so to speak. Yes, and I think one of the things that would be useful maybe to talk about as well is. Well, what to do if you find or you feel you are in an enmeshed relationship? And mm. I suppose, first of all, it starts with recognising that this may be problematic or recognising 
that this is happening. So we have to be able to reflect on what may be unhealthy or dependent, um, where we may be kind of exhibiting some of these things that we talked about in a relationship or our partner is. Mm -hmm. So reflecting on that and understanding how that enmeshment may have impacted our own well-being as mm -hmm. well as our relationship. Yeah, it's not always easily recognised, I think. I think um, it might be recognised by... Um, by paying attention to the anxiety in your system, so to speak. So if there are high levels of anxiety um, about um, reactions to your partner, where you have a sense of, well, I can't any actually really do anything on my own here, or I don't want to risk doing anything that might, might, might make my partner angry with me, for example, then yes, that might be an indication that, you know, there's something here that needs to be addressed. So the starting point always is self-awareness. So it's an awareness of how do you feel in the relationship? How do you experience yourself in this relationship? Um, and also, is this <clears throat> do you experience this relationship as uh, one where you can be fully, where you feel you can develop, you can grow as an individual, not just as a couple, but as an individual, where you feel that your partner supports that growth, where you support your partner in growing as an individual. And growing sometimes entails also shifting away a little bit from each other in your interests, for example, or in what you want to do in life. So it's being able to develop a little bit more tolerance for that without being too fearful i think it's a difficult process i think this is something that doesn't happen overnight i don't think there are any kind of easy steps here like do this do that um, if you are in a highly enmeshed relationship i think you might benefit from actually talking to uh, to a therapist about that to explore um, the underlying reasons here of why you're in this relationship or what might need to happen. And you can do that as an individual or you can do that as a couple as well. Because I think sooner or later, let's be clear, you're going to run into difficulties. You will run into difficulties because there will be something that ruptures uh, that symbiotic system. It can't go on forever. I can't, I can't, I, I don't think it, it, it can happen forever. Well, even if it did, like if, you know, your mm. partner died or, yeah. you know, something like that, that that's going to be almost impossible to <clears throat> mm. recover from because you don't know who you are. You've totally lost that. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, whether or not something actually in the relationship itself became the problem or whether it's, you know, some some something to do with the context. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's kind of as as always. I mean, we I think we say this probably in every podcast that uh, episode that we do. The starting point is always a level of self awareness. Um, I think very often that only gets triggered when there's a crisis point, right? Um, you don't normally recognize that there's a difficulty here unless there is a struggle with that uh, with a particular situation, unless you run against challenges. And it might be that there, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself in your relationship with your partner where you find you really, really do want to do something and your partner doesn't want you to. So that might be the first point at which you run into challenges. Yes. And, and I think part of this as well is, you know, when you have that self-awareness is being able to put some boundaries in place so mm. that we don't mm. lead into these behaviours where we start to enmesh. And mm. by boundaries, you know, these might be... Little things like, you know, being clear that you're not going to constantly text your partner 10 times every hour just to make sure mm. they're okay. And mm. and 
being aware of this will have an impact on your partner. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the boundary thing is being clear about what you're going to do differently as opposed to trying to impose what they're going to do differently. Mm-hmm. That can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just discussing that as well, because it will have an impact. Mm-hmm. And at first, when we change boundaries, there often is some pushback mm-hmm. because it's it's just unexpected. It's different mm-hmm. for the other person. And, you know, there will be that tendency for them often unconsciously to try and kind of push those things back into place or behaviors mm. back into place so it's it's allowing that you know for a little bit of time it can be a little bit challenging sometimes to get through these new boundaries but both being kind of in agreement to work through that knowing it's for you know the health the emotional and physical even uh, psychological health of both people yeah we did a, a podcast episodes on boundaries um Uh, a few months ago, you might want to listen to that because I think we did unpack a little bit about how you explore your boundaries, what kind of boundaries you need, what kind of boundaries you have. So, yeah, so I think a lot of the work initially around enmeshment is to, for both part, for one partner, both partners to be really clear about what their healthy, psychological, emotional, physical boundaries are, to reflect on that. To know when um, when a line has been crossed, to have some sense of what is acceptable to me, what isn't, and you might just want to write that down and just explore that. Um, you know, what what do you find acceptable in a relationship? What kind of relationship do you want? What kind of relationship do you need? What feels good for you? What doesn't feel so good for you? So some reflections on how you experience yourself in the relationship how you what your emotional responses are to the relationship what are you looking for so to develop some sort of sense of who you are as an individual as the starting point in this relationship and then you can compare that with each other you can look at each other's notes and see well okay this is what i want oh interesting you want something different you need something different how can we negotiate around that that's when you're on the that's when you're on the path of being a less enmeshed couple a more mature couple because i think enmeshment is a very early is a very uh, immature a very young way of being with each other it's it's kind of um, if we go back to Margaret Marler's idea of um, infancy development, it's sort of one of the early stages of uh, of infancy development, uh, of childhood development, when we're entirely dependent on our primary caregiver. You don't want that, do you? You want to grow up. You want to be an adult. You want a m- mature relationship, uh, and you can you can work at that. You can absolutely um, develop that over the course of you know of your lifespan. But it requires some work. Yeah, so um, hopefully there's quite a few things you can take away from today's podcast. And please subscribe to this podcast so you can tune into the next episode. Um, We're going to finish up today, so please tune in next time. And we look forward to speaking with you then. Take good care until then. Bye.